Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, How to Study the Bible, or How to Study the Bible and Find Jesus. Because studying the Bible is about the way, the truth, and the life, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And this uh, this lesson is this is exciting. All of them are exciting, but this is a particularly exciting lesson. This is uh, video number 10 and lesson number 9 in this video series of uh, on how to study the Bible. And the subject of this lesson today is Jesus Christ is the Word. That's why it's exciting. And this is a concept that we have somehow have to allow the Holy Ghost to put in us. You cannot separate knowing Jesus from knowing the Word. And you can't separate knowing the Word from knowing Jesus. When you do, you've missed the whole point when you do that. Not only that, the whole topic of this subject is how to study the Bible to find truth. You say, well, why, why, why should it be so difficult? Because the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, has written this word from Genesis to the Revelation in such a way that your ability to receive from it is not dependent upon your intellect, but it's dependent upon the openness, the sincerity of your heart, and of your willingness to do his will. John seven seventeen, Jesus said, If any man will to do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. He shall know of the doctrine. If any man will to do his will. So knowing the word of God, the truth of the word of God, is not a product of intellect. It is not a product of people uh, studying intellectually to learn the facts of the word. No. The purpose of studying the Bible is to find Jesus, to find the way, to find the truth, and to find life. That's the purpose of it. To find out, the, to know the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. To, to know the understanding that God has of things that he's willing to impart to us. That's the purpose of studying the word. It's not an intellectual pursuit. It's a relational pursuit. But it's also a salvation pursuit. Because again, in the last lesson we could, we we quoted the verse again, John 16, 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And, and in previous lessons, we've shared many verses that talks about the word of God being the source of the knowledge of salvation. What it takes to be saved. What it takes to stay saved. What it, What is this all about? And what's the destination of all of that? All of this is there. But when all of this boiled down to the simplest form, the simplicity that is in Christ is the way Paul put it. Jesus is the word made flesh. The Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ specifically, is the word made flesh. The logos made flesh. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, 
And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And the word comprehend there does means the darkness didn't overpower it, didn't defeat it, didn't apprehend it. Uh, later in John 1, verse 10, it says, He, uh, the Word made flesh, was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, uh, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God, but of, of the will of God. Because of redundancy, it's not. it doesn't say that, but the, 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 the grammatical construction of the sentence guarantees that it's there not uh, not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God of the will of God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth now this is uh this is very awesome stuff uh, and and it's some of my favorite things to talk about. And and just for a few minutes, if I can, uh, if I can uh, stay in the flow and not go longer or shorter than the Father wants it to be done. So I'll see. But I, if He wants to go into great depths, that's His business, and I'll flow with that. But just very, very, very briefly here, before there was anything, there was God. Before there was anything, there was always been God. Always has been, always will be God. God, just God. That's why his first name that he identified us himself to us by, especially as his pre-existence or his existence before creation, is the I Am. The self-existent one. He's the I Am. He is the infinite God. You can't say he fills all time and space because time and space are limited. And so therefore, no matter how much he fills all time and space, that is only finite. But all time and space are in the infinite one. Well, the infinite one is love because God cannot change. And whatever God was, uh, from a time perspective, whatever he is from a time perspective, whatever he will be from a time perspective is always the same because God cannot change. It's an impossibility. He cannot change. And if, if the word of God says God is love now, then God has always been love and he will always be love. But of course, when there was only God and God is love, how did he, how did he fully express himself? How did he, how did he fulfill himself? You can't do that by loving yourself. Uh, this sounds strange. There's, I don't know any verse that says that God loves himself. Uh, the implication of that statement was that he, does he hate himself? No, no. He accept, he fully accepts himself. Okay. He is who he is. He doesn't question himself. But he is love. And love, this kind of love, wants to give. Give to whom? Give to what? There wasn't anybody else but God. So the challenge for 
the I am infinite God is, was, is, and always will be, how does the infinite uh, give himself to something else because he's the only infinite one and anything else there would ever be will always only be finite. Can never be anything but finite. Because infinite, finite is not the same thing as temporal, eternal. Because my soul is eternal, but it had a beginning. My soul's not going to have an end, but it had a beginning. The angels of heaven are eternal. They're not, they, they don't have an end, but they do have a, they did have a beginning. So the only one with no beginning is God himself. The infinite, I am God. So how does God give himself to anything? How does he love something else? Well, love is a choice. And so God had to create a being that would be like him in the way that it would have the power of choice so that he could love them and they could choose whether or not to receive that love and then they could also choose whether or not to give that love back. He, he wanted to do that. He needed to do that. But, again, the challenge is the infinite God can never be anything but infinite. And the infinite God cannot directly create the finite. The infinite God cannot directly relate to the finite because that would immediately make him something less than infinite. So, the logos of God is not a separate being from God. The mind of God, the, the thoughts of God, the plan of God, the word of God, that became the agency, the, the expression of God. That became the, the express image of his person. That became the agency whereby the infinite God could create the finite and he would still be infinite and he could relate to the finite through himself that characteristic of himself called Logos. The Logos and the Spirit are not two different beings. The Spirit of God. God is a Spirit. That's what, that's what Jesus said. John 4, 24. God is a Spirit. But the Spirit had thoughts. The Spirit had whatever. The Spirit, the mind of God. Okay? So, it was the thoughts of God, the, 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 the mind of God that the Logos of God, that created everything. Nothing was created by the Spirit. Everything was created by the Logos. Now, I don't have time to give you all those verses, but they're there. Uh, that's why the Bible says Christ is the beginning of the creation of God. The first thing God did, the first thing that God did was decide to create. That's the beginning of the creation. And that, that, that one, uh, one reference I read many years ago said that the word logos could also be used literally as a blueprint. A blueprint. So the blueprint, the plan of God, God has a plan. He always has had a plan, always will have a plan, and it's in His control. It's not man's control. This very limited amount of time that we call time, uh, these, this, this period of time that God has, is using on the earth to enable, uh, man 
to be uh, to to come into existence and for him to find out what men are going to love him and which ones aren't going to love him. Uh, in this very limited amount of time, uh, God Himself uh, subjected Himself to man's choices. Now He didn't become vulnerable to man except in His flesh. He was in the world; the world was made by Him. The world knew Him not. So the Word created everything. The beginning of creation of God, everything. But then God in his love and his mercy to express himself to mankind, God robed that logos in flesh and became a man and walked among us and loved us and taught us and then died for us in our place. The logos. So, uh, the two primary terms, uh, Acts 2.36, the, the final uh, statements of Peter's message on the birthday of the church, uh, and God hath made. God, hello, God hath made. God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. God made. I thought Jesus is God. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He is. But how? God hath made. The clue is in the two titles. The word Christ, which is the the anointed one, not the anointing one, but the anointed one. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So the word made flesh is Christ. The anointing one is the spirit of God. So the spirit of God was on the word made flesh. And the spirit of God was within the word made flesh. And who did Jesus call that one in him? Did he call that one in him God the Son? Did he call that one in him God the Holy Ghost? No. Jesus never ever identified the one in him any other way but as being the Father. The Father was in him. Well, the Father, the Spirit of God, it's all one Spirit. So the anointing one is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was on the Word made flesh and was in the Word made flesh. That Now the Lord is that spirit, Paul said. So the word Lord is the spirit. The word Christ is the word, the Logos, made flesh. And God hath made that same Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. So the Lord Jesus Christ is God because he is the only way you and I will ever know the Father. John 14, 6. And this comes back to what we're talking about in this series of lessons. Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I know the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, and no man, comes unto the Father but by me. Well, what what was he? Was he the Word? Was he the Spirit? 
He was both. He was the word of the Father, Logos, and he was, he was filled with the Spirit of the Father, and the Spirit of the Father was upon the man Christ Jesus. And so he was both Lord and Christ. He's the only way you and I will ever know the Father. He's the only way you and I will ever relate to the Father. But what is that way? No man comes to the Father but my me. Okay, who is speaking there? It was Christ speaking. Who's Christ? The Logos made flesh. And there's no other way to get to the Father except by the Word. But you can't get to the Father by the Word alone. It takes the Word and the Spirit. That's why Jesus said, God is a Spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. Because it takes both. It's not either or. It takes both. So I'm pursuing understanding the word. I was pursuing truth in the word. But my pursuit has to be empowered by, enlightened by, operated by the spirit of God in me, in my mind, my spirit, in my heart, in my being as I do that. Now, when John 1, 1 says that in the beginning God's word was with God and the word was God, evidently then we cannot separate our having knowledge of God from having knowledge of his word. You can't separate the two. I go to church. I, I, uh, you know, I, I live holy. I pay my tithes. I obey my pastor. Yeah. But how much do you know about the Bible? Because to the degree that you know the word, that's the degree to which you know God. And if you don't know the word, you don't know God. If you can't explain the hope within you for yourself, to yourself, and to others, do you know God? If God, if the only way we can know God is the Logos that was made flesh and the Spirit dwelling on and in and through that Logos is the only means whereby we can know the Father, John fourteen six, and also what I read it earlier, uh, no, I didn't read it, John 1, 18, uh, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He is, he's the only begotten, this, this, this one that was brought into existence, the word becoming flesh, the logos, the creator of everything, becoming flesh, and the spirit of the Father, dwelling in him and on him. Because he said, I'm in my father and my father's in me. He is the conduit. He's the mediator. He's the, he's, he's the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ is the avenue, the, the interface through which we can know God. And if he is the word made flesh, if that's primarily what he is to me today, because the man Christ Jesus isn't here today. According to Ephesians chapter 1, uh, among other places, he is sitting on the throne of the universe right now. The man, Christ Jesus, is sitting on the throne of the universe as the only visible representation of the eternal Father forever. Man will never be able to see the Spirit of God, ever. The only way we'll ever see God is in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6. That's the only way we'll ever have the knowledge of the glory of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. 
So forever, he is the only visible representation of the invisible God, the eternal I am God. But he's sitting on the throne of heaven right now, and I don't see him, and I, I couldn't describe him to you if I had to. And there are no pictures or statues that are accurate representations of him. So the only way I can know him today is through his spirit and through his word. And if I don't seek his word and know his word, I can't know him. I can't know him. Therefore, if we want to know God, we've got to go to the source for ourselves. The purpose of men of God is to introduce us to him if we don't know him and to point us in the right direction and to teach us the principles of how we can know God for ourselves. It is, when I got married, I didn't hire a proxy to be my wife's husband. I'm her husband. Ain't nobody else her husband. Nobody else is going to have the relationship with my wife that I do. There was a preacher that married us, but that's all he could do was scripturally, ethically, morally, spiritually bring us together. But what we did being brought together after that was up to us. So men of God are there to help bring you together. And they're to teach the church and lead the body of Christ. But individually, we must know the, 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 the Lord Jesus Christ for ourselves. And I cannot know him for myself if I don't fellowship with him in prayer, make myself available to him for ministry in prayer, and study the word of God with him. I can't. Psalms 119, 142 says, The righteousness Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. Thy law is the truth. First John 2 verse 3 says, Hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, but whoso keepeth his word, notice the equivalent there. He he, he, he interchanged the word commandment with word. Keeping the commandments, keeping his word. In him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. Because we know his word. And by the empowerment of his grace, the spirit of God dwelling in us and working through us, enabling us to do what we cannot do ourselves, we keep his word. That's how we know we know him. That's how we know we know him. John 8, 32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. There is no truth outside the word of God. Anything outside the word of God that's true is in harmony with the word of God. Anything that claims to be truth outside the word of God that's not in harmony with the word of God is not truth. It's a lie. Anything. No matter what judge says it, no matter what politician says it, no matter what leader, leader says it, no matter what professor says it, no matter what preacher says it, no matter what parent says it, no matter who says it, if it's not in harmony with the word of God, it's not truth, it's a lie. And if you believe that truth that they're pr promoting and it's a lie, then you're deceived. Then finally, We've quoted it so many times. I'm quoting it one more time as we close out this lesson. Jesus said, I am the way, 
and I'm going to put it in, in here for emphasis. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man, no man, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. The only way to relate to the infinite I am God, the only way to communicate with him is through the agency of the Logos made flesh, the Logos. The spirit, the spirit of the infinite God is only in time and space through the agency of Logos. Otherwise, that much of God would be no longer infinite. Would be spirit, but it's no longer infinite. Angelic beings are spirit, but they are not omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent spirits. So the Spirit of God is able to interact with the end of the finite through the agency of Logos alone. Amen. Then you're preaching there too, brother, right? No. No. There can't be two. There has to be only one. Because it's only in that oneness of Logos and Spirit in the finite that we can know God. Because we know God by the word, through the word, by the spirit. That's the only way we know God. And it's not either or, friend. It takes both. I pray in Jesus' name that you would, uh, you would hunger to know God. That you would want to know the way, want to know the truth, and want to know the life so much for yourself that you would make studying his word a priority of your life. Fellowshipping with him. It's not a, how much time do you do either one of these, brother, right? I mean, that's like saying, how much time do you spend with your wife? How much time do you talk to your wife? It's not a time thing. It's a relationship thing. Yeah, there are days I have things to do that I don't, Directly communicate with my wife. I'm sitting in this studio teaching. I'm not communicating with my wife. My iPad and iPhone are on do not disturb because I don't want them hindering the recording of this video. Do I still love her? Yes. Is she still there in my heart? Yes. Am I still her husband? Yes. I'm not speaking to her directly at this point, but my relationship is just as real sitting here right now. But then there are times and oh, what wonderful times they are when we're not out of each other's sight for hours, days. Sometimes it's been weeks where we really literally have not been out of each other's sight. What a, what a, what a blessing those times are. But life isn't like that. I can't do that 100% of the time. But I'm always her husband, whether I'm talking to her or not. I'm always her husband, whether, uh, we're in each other's presence directly or not. So my relationship with the Father, because marriage is intended to be a natural example of the relationship that bride and of Christ and Christ can have with one another, my relationship with the Father through Christ is just like that. It's just like that. I'm not, I'm not, there are not words that come out of my mouth 24 hours a day that's directly addressed to the Father. 
but my relationship with him is here. It's here all the time, all the time. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would receive the hunger and the grace to do something about that hunger so that you could become a person who is pursuing knowing God. In Jesus' name, God bless you.